Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle. I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing great this morning, Jeremy. How are you? Doing all right. We are uh, coming up on the end of the year. It's almost Christmas time. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which means it's also uh, almost end of the tax year. And so that's what I care about more. I think my, my wife's in charge of Christmas. I'm in charge of the end of the tax year. Is that does that sound about right? That sounds about right to me as well. And and uh, I rarely get to shop for presents uh, because she's she's been doing that for a month or two. It's every time she sees something, oh, this will be great. <laughs> like, oh, man, we're going to need a bigger tree. Absolutely. Well, we're here to talk about end of the year and ways to lower your tax bill, perhaps, for the end of the year. And we found seven different well, ways. Nice Christmas gift. Yeah, why not? Uh, maybe that'll help you make Christmas a little bit easier is if you end up with lower taxes. That'd be, that'd be a good thing. Yeah, so we found seven different ways to lower your tax bill. And we've got some links in the show notes to send out uh, as well. But we'll just dive right into it. Number one, this doesn't sound as fun, but it might help. Prepay some bills, right? Who wants to pay bills ahead of time? But actually, a lot of times, uh, if you're a business owner and you pay the bill before the end of the year, it shows up as a deduction and for that year. Uh, and also, too, if you're somebody who is helping out their kids or maybe grandkids with college, there's all kinds of credits. One of them is called the American Opportunity Tax Credit. Another one's called the Lifetime Learning Credit. Well, that's based on when you wrote the check. So your tuition might be due in January. You write the check and it gets cashed in December. Uh, that ought to show up on your 2021 tax return. Or if you're listening to this later on, whichever year it is, uh, if you write it before the end of the year, it'll show up in that particular year, even if the tuition's due the following year. So it seems a little odd to pay bills ahead of time, right? Who wants to do that? But hey, if it helps you out on this year's taxes, it's worth looking into. Yeah, absolutely. If you can save money by paying a little early, shoot. So another one, step two, is sell some stock, which seems interesting. And we're not trying to make a call on if the market's at a high point or a low point, should you sell some stock or buy some stock, that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of tax situations that show up when you have stocks, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, when you have these investments that are outside of your IRAs, that are outside of your 401k, just a regular old taxable brokerage account. What happens a lot with there is you have gains and losses. You might even see it on your statement where it says unrealized gain or unrealized loss. And if you happen to have some losses on there, Something you can do is called tax loss harvesting. Your advisor should be looking at that for you. Your advisor should be perhaps even just doing it on your behalf, where it's the idea that if there is a loss and it's on paper and you realize it then by actually making that sell, then you can realize that loss towards your regular income. And you can actually uh, put that towards about $3,000 of your regular income. So let's just say that you have 103,000 of regular income from your job and everything like that. And then you realize a $3,000 tax loss on your statement and you actually realize it and you pull the trigger to sell it to make it uh, an actual loss. Well, $3,000 gets to show up and come off of your, your income that gets to help you out uh, on there. 
I would assume that most people are kind of nervous about doing this because they don't want to lose money, but you're not actually mm-hmm. losing anything, right? Because the, the stock is down. It's anyway. already lost. Yeah, so you've already lost yeah. it. Now you're just yep. realizing it. And I'm using air quotes on a podcast, but realizing it mm-hmm. by doing that sell. That's interesting. And, and you can buy something else right away, right? Yeah. So that's where it gets interesting. People must have done this in the olden days and realize if I just sell it, realize the loss and buy it back again that instant, then I'll just help out with my taxes. Mm-hmm. And the government realized that's a, that's not what we intended. <laughs> you can and so do they, that. <laughs> they, yep, they call it a, a 30-day wash sale. If you rebuy that within 30 days, the exact same thing or something that's incredibly similar, well, you, you can't take that deduction. You can't realize that loss. They call that a wash sale. It's just, it's, it washes out. And so if you are somebody, let's uh, the, the classic example is let's just say you like stocks in the fast food area. So maybe your McDonald's stock is a loss. And so you sell some of your McDonald's stock and you go buy the Burger King stock. Now we can debate, probably have a whole podcast on which one's better, McDonald's or Burger <laughs> King. But they're both fast food restaurants. They both sell hamburgers. Theoretically, if one's down, the other one's probably down. If one's up, the other one's probably up too. They're not the exact same stock, so it should be A-OK to realize the loss on one, but you don't want to change the uh, the essence of your investments, and so you go buy the stock of the other one, at least for that 30-day time period, mm-hmm. uh, so that you avoid that wash sale, so you follow the rules that say you can't just sell and then rebuy within 30 days the exact same stock or something that's so incredibly sim- similar. It basically is the exact same stock, mm-hmm. right? Got it. Okay. So that's tax loss harvesting. That's one a lot of advisors are talking about, looking at, a lot of clients, uh, investors know about. Now here's an interesting one. It's the opposite, tax gain harvesting. Like, wait, wait a second, you wanna realize tax gains on purpose? Hmm. And oftentimes you actually do. We were just looking at somebody uh, yesterday. They had come to us as a new client about a year ago. And we were talking through, okay, here's your situation. They were just retiring. They didn't have a full year of income. And so their income for the year was going to be about $50,000. Well, if you are a married couple, your income can be up to around $100,000 before your deductions, before your capital gains start actually getting taxed. When you're below a certain level, your capital gains tax is zero. So why wouldn't you realize the gain and get taxed at a 0% tax rate. So that's what we did. And we were just looking at his 2020 tax return to find out how did that work out. It worked out beautifully well. We had them realize about 50,000 of gains and we looked at the tax bottom line and it didn't cost them a dollar because it's all long-term capital gains. So if you're somebody that's in a particular situation where you just retired perhaps, or maybe there's an unfortunate job change, you hate to see your income go down, but it might have increased your opportunity to realize, pay some taxes on purpose at a 0% tax rate. Hmm. And we are looking at for that individual, we're gonna do it again in 2021, 2022. They were just fortunate enough that a lot of their investments were outside of the IRA space. And so when they need the money for their retirement, we're finding here's the right dollar amount to go ahead and make use of a 0% tax rate for their capital gains. That's a long-term capital gain. And uh, it's interesting, usually you're trying to avoid the taxes. You say, oh, I don't wanna realize that gain. But if the tax rate's 0%, 
and we see this quite often because uh, that's a fairly high number. It's it's roughly a hundred grand of total income if you're a married couple before your capital gain taxes, your long-term mm-hmm. taxes jump up uh, from zero percent to fifteen percent. You, you might be sitting there on an opportunity and take a look at it. It's the end of the year. You got a little bit of time. Take a look at it. Yeah, that's a great one. Number three is a little bit of a warning. Watch out for capital gains distributions. Now that's kind of a mouthful. And what we're talking about is mutual funds. We just talked about what if you have like a stock or an ETF and you on purpose yourself, you're buying and selling. Well, if you have a mutual fund, somebody else, the fund manager is buying and selling kind of on your behalf. And it's all inside the fund. It might just be called the growth fund or the capital fund, whatever the the name of it is. And you don't really see the day-to-day buying and selling. You might not have yourself actually bought or sold into the fund, but inside of that fund are stocks and bonds and different investments, and that fund manager is selling and buying. And it might just turn out that their selling and buying could show up as what's called a capital gain distribution, where you might have had 10 grand in your investment the day before this distribution, you might have had 10 grand in your investment the day after the distribution. It's just that the government rules are, hey, if within the fund, there's a whole bunch of capital gains that has to be distributed, has to be realized and shown as a taxable event. And that's fine, you know, if you make money over time, even if you don't uh, go in or out of the fund, hey, if you make money, you ought to pay taxes on it. But it just might come back and bite you. Where uh, a lot of times these things happen in middle December, even the last day of December, and you don't really know about it until you get your tax forms. And then you take those tax forms to your preparer, and all of a sudden you owe a bunch of taxes because there's a huge capital gain. So we'd encourage people, if you look at your non-IRA accounts, just your regular taxable brokerage accounts where you have your regular investments, maybe it's called a joint account, a TOD account, a trust account, any name like that that's not an IRA, take a look and see if you have a lot of a particular mutual fund. And then you can go to that mutual fund website and they will have an estimate. They'll tell you, here's what's probably gonna happen. And you can figure out if it's gonna be a situation that might might hurt you. We've seen this happen uh, several times where it happened in a bad way. The person got upset at their advisor, upset at their fund company. That's why they were talking to us about becoming uh, their new advisor. And one in particular, it was an international fund about five or six years ago, I feel like. And what happened is the managers completely changed. The international fund said, we're done with the old folks, income the new folks. Well, the new folks don't, don't wanna be hanging out with the stocks that the old regime had. So they come in and they just you know, sell everything, buy the new stuff. Well, what happened is there's a lot of capital gains when you sell things that have made money over time. So it turned out, or roughly half the fund was distributed as a capital gain. So if you had 10 grand in that mutual fund, you still had 10 grand, but you also got a, a tax form saying, you just showed up with a $5,000 capital gain distribution. They didn't send you the check, it just stayed in the fund, you just had a, a tax form. And so that's quite a big surprise. I'm thankful that hasn't happened too often, but hey, you don't wanna be surprised by it. Uh, take a look and see what these capital gain distributions might be. There should be right on the company website. Find that fund, com- fund company that you're with. Go on their website and look for the uh, 2021 uh, tax summary. They'll give you a, an estimate of what it might look like. 
Jeremy, you do a great job of breaking things down and, and giving very clear instructions. But I'm also going to say that that seems pretty complicated. Yep, <laughs> and I hear you. Be, uh, yeah, and so I'm, I'm just going to say, I know that you always give your contact information at the end of the show. So if you're listening to this right now and you're going, wait a second, that, that he made it sound kind of easy, but it doesn't sound that easy to me. He's going to give you contact information. Reach out to Jeremy, please. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm a little confused, but I, I understand exactly what you're saying. But it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, well, go to our website, retirement-revealed.com for our podcast. Click on contact us. Send us a message. Love to, to talk to you. Uh, we've had just a few people even recently asking us some questions, especially around, uh, might remember a few podcasts ago, we were talking about the I-bonds a lot. I'm sure we'll keep talking about them. I was asked to write an article about I-bonds. It just published uh, just a, a day or two ago. And he said, hey, write, uh, the editor, the publisher said, write the article, talk about it. Give us the uh, steps to go buy the I-bonds. And I summarized it. I consolidated it. It was down to nine steps. So things can get, <laughs> you had the detailed steps, but nine steps is a little complicated. And I think you're right on this capital gains distribution uh, is impactful. Keep an eye on it. Uh, but it might just be a, a little bit of extra work. And um, yeah, reach out to us. Happy to, to walk you through it. Happy to talk you through it. You just want to make sure you do it right. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing is that you're doing the right thing. So um, absolutely. All right. Well, here's the middle point. Uh, number four out of seven ways that you can uh, hopefully lower your tax bill for this year. And that is to max out your retirement savings. And so a lot of people have traditional type of accounts at work, the 401ks. Uh, the Roth 401ks, 403bs, TSP if you work for the government, things like that. Know what the maximum is uh, for these situations. For 2021, it's 19500 And then if you're over 50, you can do something called a catch-up. It's 6500 on top of that. So that's $26,000 that you can set up uh, for your 401k. And you might just have one or two uh, paychecks left in the year. And if that's the case, you can change your withholding most likely to where you can uh, just put your last paycheck or a big chunk of your last paycheck in there and let that, uh, let that be a tax deduction if you're in the traditional area. Now, uh, you could also, too, maybe it's a little bit too late, and you might say, well, uh, 2021's passed. What can I do for 2022? Well, hey, it's time to maybe change your paychecks and get ready for the next year. Well, the max for 2022 is $20,500. The catch-up is still the $6,500. So that's letting you go from $26,000 up to $27,000 as your maximum in these 401ks, 403bs, things along those lines. So that's a great um, a great situation. And that has to be done, right? If you're trying to make this happen in the 401k for this particular year, it's gotta be done by the end of the year. So that's why uh, you might just have one paycheck left Maybe you can adjust it to get a nice tax deduction for the end of the year, or let's just prepare you for the next year on that one. Part of that too beyond the 401ks is the IRAs, traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, and that maximum is $6,000, whether it's traditional or Roth, and you get another $1,000 on top of that. So if you're over 50 with that thing called a catch-up contribution. So $6,000 max or $7,000 max, that's per person. So if there's a couple, you can do it for both of you. And it's completely separate from the 401k. A lot of people know about the traditional 401k, the, the Roth 401k, and will say, hey, it's time to do a Roth contribution. And they say, oh, I already maxed out in the 401k. Well, great. Now you can max out in the IRA. It's, uh, 
it's a completely separate situation. You don't have to worry about that uh, at all. And so uh, think about the maximums for the traditional IRA and Roth IRA. What's nice about that too is you can actually go back in time. You might be listening to this in the new year. You might have your tax return almost complete. And then you can take a look and see, can I do a Roth IRA or should I do a deductible traditional IRA? And you can make that contribution and tell a tax person, put this on for last year. That's allowed. So that's a, a nice a situation for you. Yeah. Another thing that's allowed to kind of go back in time is something called an HSA, health savings account. So you've got until the when you file your tax return to go back and make the contribution for the prior year. And here's what's interesting with the HSA. A lot of people have that through work. Perhaps their employer is adding some money in. Perhaps they're putting some money in through their paycheck and they feel like that's all they can do. They, they see their $50 a paycheck and maybe that's 26 paychecks that they put in, that's $1,300. And maybe their employer put in $700. They've put in $2,000 to their health savings account, their HSA. They said, oh, I did that at work, I'm, I'm done, I can't do anymore. Well, you can. For 2021, the maximum is $3,600 per person. So that means if you are a family, you can get up to $7,200 into there. And if you're 55, so that's interesting, for some reason it's 55 with the HSA, versus uh, 50 for the IRAs and 401ks. But if you're 55 plus, you can put in another thousand bucks. So between you and your spouse, if you have access to HSA, that's $9,200 you can put in for the year 2021. And you can go back in time. You can be going through your tax return with your preparer and realize that there's room that you could contribute to your HSA. And you can put that money into the HSA for the prior year. And that helps you on your your tax refund that helps you lower your tax bill because that's a tax deduction. So that's a, actually that's a good reminder for both of those with the traditional IRA, Roth IRA, the HSA. We don't like the idea of you give your forms, give your papers to your tax repair. They figure it all out, do their magic. They have you walk in and just sign it and then done your, your, your filed. We very much want every tax preparer Everyone that fills out taxes, which is just about everyone, you should look at a draft return of your tax return. Look at a draft copy before it actually gets filed. That way you can go through, see if there's any mistakes for some reason. That way you can go through and say, hey, wait a second, I qualified for a Roth IRA. I'm going to put some money in. Or, oh my goodness, uh, I have a little bit of room here where if I put some money into the HSA, or into a deductible traditional IRA for the prior year, that's gonna help me out on the taxes. So don't do what everyone else does. Dump off the uh, the box full of papers, wait for the preparer to do their magic, come in, sign the form, and run out of there. No, you want a, a draft. Say, I need a draft copy of my tax return so I can review it, so my advisor can review it, so that the preparer can review it. Say, hey, get this almost done, and then give me some suggestions, because there's still things like the IRAs and HSAs that you can do for the prior year. Yeah, that's great information. So we're halfway there. We gave you maybe the, um, the biggest part of it, right in the middle. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we've got some other things we've talked about uh, before, and it's towards the end of the year, and there's people that are over the age of 70 and a half, and they've got the ability to do qualified charitable distributions, there's people over the age of 72, and they've got this requirement to do a required minimum distributions. So we're gonna talk about uh, both of those, where if you have traditional IRAs, you're over these certain limits, 
make sure you take care of your required minimum distribution so it's not a problem. If you are a charitable person, go ahead and take money from your IRA and send it directly to the charity because that helps you on your taxes. Once you reach 70 and a half, you can do these things called qualified charitable distributions. But most people wait to the end of the year to do either one of those. And we're gonna encourage you, you got a couple weeks left, make sure it happens before the end of this year. But for the next year, for 2022, a lot of it you might actually wanna do at the beginning of the year. And here's why, if you send money out from your IRA to the charity, and it's December 25th that you do this, uh, and then the charity gets it a week later, and then they cash it in January, that doesn't count for this year. That check needs to be cashed for it to show up in this year. And so, especially with the qualified charitable distributions, you wanna get those done as soon as possible. And so we'd encourage you, your charity might like you the next couple months, where you send them a bunch of money at the end of this year through the qualified charitable distributions, and then you could turn around and do it again in the first couple months of 2022. But that's the way to do it, is you really want to get these QCDs, the qualified charitable distributions, out of your account as soon as possible so that you can make sure that the charity had time to, to cash it. Another thing on the charitable front, we're going to number six, is donate to a donor advised fund. And if you have stocks, funds, exchange trade funds, those things outside of the IRA, you can gift those to your donor advised fund. And the reason is, in 2018, the tax laws changed. That was the first year of it, where all of a sudden, these standard deductions were doubled. And so a lot of people had itemized deductions of maybe 15,000, 20,000, 25,000 a year. Well, if you're a couple, your standard deduction is above that. That's great you give money to charity, and yet none of it shows up to help out on your itemized deductions at all. And so oftentimes what you ought to do is these things called bunching. Back in the day, a few years ago, when the itemized deductions were earlier, or lower rather, people would bunch together their property tax bills They'd say, I'm going to put um, pay some property taxes in uh, January and pay the property taxes again in December. So they try to put more deductions in one year. So a lot of people are used to this idea of you want more deductions in one year and not as many deductions in the next year. That's a way to kind of flip back and forth between itemized and standard deductions. It's a way to help you out, get more deductions in the long run. Well, you can't do that as much with the property tax bills anymore, but you can do it with the charitable deductions. And if you're somebody that maybe gives $5,000, $10,000 a year or more with uh, to charity, you might be kind of skating underneath the standard deduction where you're not getting any charitable deductions uh, on the itemized because you're not reaching the itemized area because it's too high of a bar. Well, what if you did two or three years worth of deductions in year one and then you don't get the deductions in year two or year three? You want to bunch together your charitable deductions. And yet, we all like our charities. We probably don't want them to skip out on money from you the next year and the year after that. Uh, and we also know how it works sometimes when you give money to charity and you give like double your normal amount. Sometimes they kind of expect that same doubling the next year around too. And so, the way to do this is you just separate out the idea that the day I give money to uh, charity is the day I get the tax deduction. Those are two separate things. You can donate money to this donor advice fund and go ahead and give a, a big chunk in year one so that you get the itemized deductions and it helps you out. And then year two, three, however long uh, it takes, 
you just let the donor advice fund pay it out to the charity. So the charity might get the exact, same exact dollar, the same cadence of every month or every week or every year, however you do it, but you got the ability to throw a whole bunch of charitable deductions into that donor advice fund, and that helps you out for this year, this one year that you happen to do it. And the charity doesn't uh, doesn't feel a, a beat, doesn't uh, miss anything at all. So look at that donor advice fund as a way you got to the end of the year here to make it happen. This is something that has to be done by the end of by 1231 or before to count for this tax year. Jeremy, I know you just actually did a podcast recently uh, all about donor advice funds. Do you remember which one that was? Yeah, that was, uh, I believe it was episode 60. The name of it's five reasons to set up a donor advice fund today. And so, hey, you got to the end of the year. Uh, we can still do it after the end of the year, but um, go ahead, check out that episode. We will uh, put that in the show notes as well and just learn all you need to know about donor advice funds. A great thing to be to be looking at. Yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah, yeah, well, you like talking about charity, so do I. So I think that was that was a fun way. We enjoyed that together. All right, so here we are wrapping it up. Number seven, year-end moves to lower your tax bill. And that's something called a Roth conversion, which is interesting because that will not lower your tax bill for this year. You take money from a traditional IRA or 401k, you switch it over to a Roth IRA, and that year that you do it, you owe the taxes on it. So what do we mean it'll lower your tax bill? Well, we're very concerned not about this year's tax bill. We're concerned about your lifetime taxes. And we take a look at it every time. All the planning we've done for years, the software that we use is very specifically trying to help out what is the way to lower your lifetime tax situation. And you can pretty well project what your taxes might look like from this year to next year or before and after certain times, like before and after you start Social Security or before and after you retire or get these required minimum distributions or even before and after somebody in the couple passes away and now you're down to filing as a single individual versus uh, the married filing jointly. And you can see what is your marginal tax rate gonna be, which is a, a funky uh, name for your tax rate. So let's just assume it's like your tax bracket. It's not, but let's just go with that for right now. Well, you can see, okay, maybe I'm in a 12% tax bracket today and a 22% tax rate tomorrow. Well that pay taxes at 12 or 22, probably the lower one. And when you plan things out, you can say, well, this is the year that the bracket is at this level. And this is the dollar amount. I can switch from one account to the next, from the traditional to the Roth and capture, lock in that specific tax bracket, that specific tax rate. So that later on when it's in the Roth IRA, you take the money out, it's tax free. And so you ought to be looking at with your taxes, not just how do you lower this year, which is what most people think about, most tax repairs think about, but how do you lower your lifetime tax bill? And often the way to do it is to intentionally, on purpose, pay taxes today through a Roth conversion so that you lock in that rate that you paid, let it grow tax-free, and when you plan it out, project it out, and see that there's a future time when the taxes are projected to be higher, go ahead and try to pay the taxes at that lower time when it's gonna be in a lower situation. So think of that Roth conversion. That's one of the many things, like a lot of things we talked about, where the deadline is December 31st. It's very rare and it's kind of nice that these traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs and HSAs, you can go ahead after the tax year is done and apply it to the prior year. But so many things, especially giving money to charity or doing these Roth conversions have to be completed in the specific year for it to count for that. So, so take a look at that, project it out. Again, like we said, 
If your advisor is not talking about how to lower your lifetime tax bill, uh, you might have a, the wrong advisor. You might want to start looking at a different advisor on there. So there's the things you ought to be looking at and definitely things your advisor ought to be looking at. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned a couple things, but with the Roth conversion, I think that that's so incredibly powerful. I was just talking to my nephew um, last week and he, you know, we were talking about money and I mean, he's 12. So, I mean, this is where, <laughs> this is where his brain is, <laughs> you know, go. making a little bit of money mm-hmm. here and there. And, and he understands what credit cards are, but not the ramifications of credit cards. And so I just said, you know, if you go out and take a credit card, which allows you to spend money you don't have, right. And you can spend it right now. When do you think, you know, they're going to want that money back? Well, I don't know. Well, they want it kind of right away, right? They, they, they want you to pay for it on a monthly basis. That's what the credit card bill is, right? You're going to have to pay for it. I said, and so here, here's the problem. And this whole thing came up because of, he's been hearing a lot of talk about taxes. He's been hearing a lot of talk about debt, government debt specifically. And I think all of us as adults understand that the government has basically had this big fat credit card that they have been charging trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to. And that's got to be paid off. And so when you talk about lifetime taxes, Jeremy, that, that resonates, I think with everybody listening, because I don't think there's anybody listening to this that thinks that taxes are going to go down. Uncle Sam wants to pay off that credit card bill and he doesn't go out and make his own money. He just takes it from other people, which is us. So you get it. I, I think yeah, that yet to meet this. is huge. Yeah. I've yet to meet the person that thinks that taxes are going to go down yeah. in the future. Almost everyone thinks that taxes will go up uh, in the future. And sometimes what people do is they just go overboard. They say, well, I'm just going to move everything to the Roth, not worry about it. Well, all these different brackets have cutoffs and beginning points and end points, and you need to plan it all out. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at saying, yeah, that's, that's the projection. You have a lower tax rate now versus a higher tax rate later. You Roth convert too much in one year, your taxes skyrocket for that year. Mm-hmm. You Roth convert too much in the one year, and you have nothing taxable in future years, your tax rates plummet. And so all of a sudden it's like a teeter-totter. All of a sudden things uh, start changing to where it goes to being a, uh, you know, one end, one end being low to being even, to all of a sudden that same end being higher where you just hurt yourself in the foot because you did too much of it. Mm-hmm. You paid taxes mm-hmm. at too high a rate and you could have taken it later on at a lower rate. And so it's all about planning it out, projecting it out. This is all data that's out there where here's what the tax bill is at certain dollar amounts. Here's what the tax bill is going to change to in 2026. There's proposals that are out there about what taxes might change. Project it out, plan it out, do some math, follow the math most likely, and make sure your advisor's doing that. Because if they're not, you're probably working with somebody that's it's not necessarily a planner, that's not looking at the entire picture. And the taxes are a big, huge part of that entire picture. Yeah. Well, you gave us seven good reasons to reach out to you uh, today. Uh, so why don't you give them the contact information so people can make that phone call? You got it. So the, the email is jeremy at kylefp, K-E-I-L-F-P.com. And go to our website. It's kylefp.com. Or go to the podcast website, retirement-revealed.com. Good. Well, there we go. We got the seven uh, ways that you can, seven moves you can lower your tax bill. And that last one, that's not just about this year. It's about the entire future that you might have with your retirement. And I want to thank you, Eric, for helping us out here today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.